you know, this is what I sort of say to my people. It's like, if you can start to notice those moments, those tiny moments of when you're like, oh, I felt in my flow just then I nailed it. Or that was brilliant. I love that. Notice it and go, okay, what was I just doing? Mm -hmm. What was I working with in that moment? What's the setting? How am I behaving? What lit me up from that? And as you say, it's the ease. It's those micro moments of breadcrumbs that just keep following those. And it's just being you and we shouldn't feel that because it's easy and because it's our genius it's not valid it's mm -hmm. like it's exactly how it should be and of course growth and expansion and development is now that's a lifelong journey but your brilliance it's here and often what I get people to do from you know is to say okay like write down those moments Hi, welcome to She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields, the podcast for women leaders on a mission to change the world and build empires that have legacy, success, influence, and intergenerational wealth. We'll talk about how stigmas, stereotypes, grief, and other people's opinions can keep women's voices silenced and the impact these have on successful women and their emotions, their relationships, and their money. If you have felt silenced and need guidance, awakening, and amplifying your voice, visit KeishaShields.com to check out my best-selling Find Your Voice course. Please take a quick second to hit the subscribe button and let's get into this week's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields Conversations with Friends episode and today I have a brand spanking new friend Joe Gifford with us today. Joe, say hello. Hello my lovely, hello lovely people listening. So I'm really excited to get to know you because I'll be learning more about you throughout this conversation and I think the feeling will be mutual. I'm excited because I know that we tend to gravitate to people who connect with how we operate as well. So I think it'll be really good and natural, but everybody will be able to come along this journey with us <laughs> and see the building and all of the things. And so that'll be very exciting because usually the people I'm speaking with, I know them in some way or I have spoken to them really prior to. So this is kind of cool. So Miss Joe, tell us who is Joe Gifford? Oh, who is Joe Gifford? Well, what I do in the world is I'm all about human connection. And I think that voice is such a massive part of that for so many reasons. So honored to be here. I am an author. I'm a podcaster. I'm a content development lead for startup and scale ups. I am a twin mama. I've got 11-year-old uh, girls in their preteens. So there's a lot of voice in my house, <laughs> a lot of sass from me and from them. You'll find me on my yoga mat. You'll find me down the gym. You'll find me with my journal in hand. And I was just sharing earlier, usually with some almond butter <laughs> and a mug of coffee and a snack nearby. So as you can probably hear, I'm you know, very British and I live near Cambridge in the UK. So I'm over here. 
with my global clients, which I'm honored to have loads of clients around the globe, serving people, really helping them to find their brilliance, which is where I love, gets so linked with finding your voice, and to create human connection with the leadership in their business. I work really with unboxed leaders, people that are unconscious, that are making changes in the world, they're change makers, they're glorious peeps, my lot. And I'm about helping them connect to their brilliance, helping them voice it to the world in a way that feels awesome, that isn't just a strategy that goes really into who they are and what they do. And then other than that, I'm just sat here with my Bengal cat. <laughs> Yoga pants on, cat, tea, you get the vision. Yeah, you know, that's one of the best things about being able to work virtual, you know, is that, you know, who knows what you look from the neck down, you know? You're taking a risk. You never know. Exactly. Uh, Never look there. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. Yeah. So when I saw that you had written a book, which I have not read yet, but I'm going to read. Mm. I always try to read, you know, so I can get a better perspective of people's, you know, space and all of that. It's Brilliance Unboxed. Is that right? Brilliance Unboxed is my book. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So two things that popped up when I saw that. So when I work with clients, like the step one is always say you got to unbox yourself. So I love mm. when I saw that, I was like, I get that. Like, I totally get that. That's definitely to my clients for the past, like, number of years. And so I was like, I totally get that. And, like, we'll be on calls, and they'll be like, okay, I know. I got to unbox myself, Keisha. I know. I'm like, yes, exactly. Because they have a lot of brilliance, you know. And the other thing is, so I'm writing this kid's book. And the name of the school is, well, right now it's Tentatively Brilliance Academy. It's the name of the school. So I was like, I think I'm going to connect with her. <laughs> My gosh, the sinks. I love so it. Nice. Like, oh, I've got shivers now. Oh, yeah. My little character goes to Brilliance Academy. And like, that's like, it was so funny. I was like, gosh, that's so fun because I just think that the idea of brilliance is just has so much power to it. So can you talk a little bit about what brilliance is to you and kind of how that really became a part of your essence, essentially? Yeah. Oh, what a glorious question. So what brilliance is for me, it's your you-ness and it's your power. It's your unique essence. And we might think of it as dharma or your soul purpose or what you shine at your but for me it's all of those things and kind of none it's like your uniqueness and how did this weave its way into my life interesting I I love how your soul work just kind of comes knocking (laughs) (laughs) and you're like oh hello (laughs) I'd be still with you Uh so the word brilliance I think has been in my awareness in my world really through my personal branding mentoring with my clients over the last sort of five to ten years I've you know been talking about sort of branding their brilliance and working with their brilliance and really articulating what makes them awesome has become a passion of mine and I noticed you know time and time again it was never about the actual messaging that you're putting out to the world it's never about the bio and the thing it's about the mic drop moment confidence that they have when they really connect with that part of them and it's seeing how when you really remember who you are and then start to unbox the possibilities of who you can be i was seeing huge shifts in people and so i believe that 
books and programs and podcasts and these things arrive as an energy of their own almost and, and so it's so brilliant unboxed arrived I was like oh you seem like you're a book that needs to be written okay great mm-hmm. and you know started to delve into all what seemed like really everything that had led me to that point when I started writing it um interestingly the book came out in March 2020 I mean, 2020 in itself has felt like about 100 years, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And this was just when lockdown had started in the UK, certainly. And so now I was like, wow, this book that's all about living in an unboxed way. And suddenly everything around us is unboxed. All the structures that we knew, like, oh, book, you knew when to come into the world, didn't you? So it's been really interesting creating this work, seeing the ripples that it's doing. But yeah, the essence of it for me has been around and I'm noticing it grow, noticing people really connect with the fact that when they really question everything, as you say, when they really unbox it and go, what am I doing here? What is my power? What makes me unique? Then there's radical change that happens. Yes. You know, I love that. And two, one of the things that I kind of chuckled when you said how like sometimes your sole purpose like comes knocking at your door, right? And I kind of laughed because I'm like, her sole purpose is polite. My purpose like drag you out of hair. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a polite version. Believe me, my sole okay. purpose has been like, I'm gonna, yeah. Oh my god, okay. Completely, mine's been like, I'm very polite. I know my clients are like, it's like we have been to. Oh no, no, no. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it is not it's not that before. British and polite I, I wish so it was <laughs> I noticed honestly it's knocking like, a very gentle way of saying yeah yeah <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah I totally get that you know but I just wanted to uh, kind of point that out though because I I feel like so often I don't know if it's because we're taught it or I don't know but I feel like so often we feel like it's out there somewhere, like our purpose, our meaning, when in actuality, it's something that's probably already very close to you, very in your face. It can be something that has recurred time and time again. And because it feels like with such ease for us in comparison to other people, or we start to learn it in a very in-depth way, we can easily dismiss it, you know, as not being something that's brilliant, something that is ours, right? We tend to assume that, well, everybody just knows this, you know? And I think that so often we kind of miss out on really connecting and owning it because of that. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent, a thousand percent. And I think that we we almost as you say we're taught or we believe that sole purpose has to be this mountain to climb and I've got to suffer and as we said you know there can be more than the knocking it can be hard sometimes but it's those breadcrumbs that you know this is what I sort of say to my people it's like if you can start to notice those moments those tiny moments of when you're like oh I felt in my flow just then I nailed it or that was brilliant I love that notice it and go okay what was I just doing Mm -hmm. what was I working with in that moment what's the setting how am I behaving what lit me up from that and as you say it's the ease it's those micro moments of breadcrumbs that just keep following those and it's just being you and we shouldn't feel that because it's easy and because it's our genius it's not valid Mm -hmm. it's like it's 
exactly how it should be. And of course, growth and expansion and development is, now that's a lifelong journey, but your brilliance, it's here. And often what I get people to do from, you know, is to say, okay, like write down those moments in the last month or two where you've really felt like, ah, oh, that was a good day or that was awesome. Like, what was I doing? And then send out like a quick note to your inner circle of people and just say, hey, I'm just doing some research. What is it about me that you really connect with that, you know, that you think is something that I bring to the world? And whenever we do that exercise, if I redo it myself or if I invite clients to do it, it's so powerful because you see yourself through the eyes of other people and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. One thing I like about that is that oftentimes I have found like with my clients and especially with myself is that it's oftentimes things that we don't think it would be, right? The things that we overlook, we minimize, we dismiss about ourselves. And we're like, that's what you feel like I would be. And you'll find <laughs> that people often, and usually it's more than one person like saying that thing, right? And it's, you're like, this isn't working. They're not giving me the answers that I need. Like, it's like, no, we're telling <laughs> You know, and it's, it's so, like, I went through that experience, and I tell you, the level of disappointment I felt, I'm like, I'm like, I have all this in my mind, I have all this bigness and genius and all of this, and, like, the answers that people were giving were, like, the most, to me, the most simplest of things, and I'm like, no, I'm more than that, I have, <laughs> it's more than that. but then I had to, like, understand when we see ourselves with our academia, maybe, and our accolades and our achievement and our high performance and all of this stuff, and then someone comes back and just says, well, it's how you listen to me, or it's how you make me feel in conversation. You're like, huh, so, but I've just spent years <laughs> studying and... <laughs> and a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I went through that. I like, really rebelled before I was like, I'm like I was just surprised at the responses. I'm like, what do you mean? But then when I like thought about it and like break it down to the core of what they're saying, I'm like, that's exactly the work that I do, right? But yes. I felt like it had to be this fancy, like boom thing that you know what I mean. Would just this would be the say all be all, and it was like <laughs> the simplest of things. And I, it took me a while though yeah. to actually appreciate that, right? To appreciate the value in that. Yeah, and I think it's often, you know, the things I've heard have included things like it's how you hold space for us or it's how you support in conversation or it's how you see others and help us to see our own brilliance and the way that you reflected X, Y, Z in me. And it's lovely to do that exercise because I think we, you know, we have our own stories about ourselves in our head. And even though we do the work to try and make them gone, they're still there. And then when, and when you have this reflection, it's like, wow, I can take that and, and deepen those things and really lean into them. And well, the more I connect with my brilliance and my soul purpose and let it be, let it unfold, all those blueprints, all the boxes, all the shoulds start to fall away, you know, all the, hey, I'm going to have like multiple six figures and have 50 funnels running for my programs and you know all the blueprints of other people that perhaps when I started in business I thought would be success Mm -hmm. and now I'm like you know if I connect to my flow and I 
call in and invite the yeah. most aligned resonant people then I'm so happy and then I go to the lake and I write you know my Instagram that resonates with people and then I'm writing my guest posts and appearing on all sorts of websites and stuff and I'm like this feels my version of what brilliance and balance and success looks like has changed as I let my brilliance be as I unfold it I have big visions big you know big picture stuff of course but I love to let it guide me as well you know I I can plan something out for the next two years but it sure as hell isn't gonna look like I plan it <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely so when I talk about like God right and there's this joke that we have like you know if you want to make God laugh make a plan right and it's funny because like, yes! plan out, like, <laughs> like oh this is exactly I'm gonna do this thing and you're like it was nothing like I mean it's all <laughs> like I said sometimes I feel like I'm just dragged by the hair like, oh, yeah. plan that, I'm, <laughs> that I worked on you know and so I get what you mean like you do set the intention and you do set a plan but that there has to be room and space for it to not unfold in necessarily the way yeah. that you would have ideally have liked it to be. And I think so many times Absolutely. women deal with that when it's like, oh, but and it's like, that's when I start saying like done, but not perfect. Right. Because the truth of the matter is there are yes. so many factors that you simply cannot control. I don't care how well planned. I say that as like a super planner, like my husband yeah. always calls me like your power is in your plan right? Like my power, when yeah. I can come up with a plan, when I can organize my thoughts, right? Into a plan, I know that I know that I can conquer whatever it is. Like there's no oh. question whatsoever. However, what I always sometimes forget to factor in, <laughs> all the other things that's going to go come up and like interfere with the process and all of that, you know? And I think that we just kind of have to allow space for that as we are really stepping into our own brilliance and our own, you know, purpose and our visions of who we are becoming, I think we have to give, leave room for us to become along the way, you know, and I think that's so important. And so that brings me to one of the questions I was going to ask you, Joe, is what is the time in your life, right? It can be your life. Actually, this is just not about your work. It's about your life. What has been an experience in your life where you have either mm. felt silence? Or you felt like you really had to speak up for yourself. It can be from childhood through adulthood. So when I was a child, age of seven, and my parents divorced, and I lost my voice, as in literally I developed a stammer. And that stayed with me throughout my childhood and throughout my teens. And so actually, throughout most of my childhood and my teens, I was never saying what I wanted to because I was using word avoidance I had all the tips and the and the strategies to avoid this crippling stammer which I guess is you know was a form of, of anxiety and it was a form of you know a way of working with the trauma of my parents splitting up and, and the fallout around that so I actually didn't have my own voice for a very long time and so I felt silenced by my stammer. It was huge. Wow. And so can you tell us a little bit about maybe one of the experiences that kind of triggered you losing 
your voice like quite literally so I mean you know parents divorce often this is not an unusual thing but I think for me at that time there was a lot of toxic friendships around my parents and so the adults who were their support networks were you know not the best kind of wholehearted people I'd say and you know as an adult now I can see that my parents had you know some boundary issues with who they were allowing to influence them in their lives and so I certainly felt that I couldn't say to anybody you know what was happening with my feelings how I felt about the situation how I was processing my thoughts and feelings and you know what I encourage my girls to do now at the age of 11 is to always speak up if they have an issue if there's if something's hurting them if they're worried if they want to be heard if they want to argue damn it then fine you tell me and we have a debate and we'll talk about it and I didn't feel it there's often debates in my house I think it was around hey the grown-ups are going through this you don't talk it was that kind of thing and now I think about it it was like I was almost swallowing everybody else's feelings knowing they were hurting swallowing their feelings as a child and not feeling able to say what I felt in that situation. And for me, because the stammer lasted for so many years, I mean, you wouldn't know now, given that I talk nonstop. (laughs) It lasted for such a long time. And so I never, literally never spoke my truth in any situation because I would have to reorder sentences and words in order to be able to speak them and of course over time the more that you do word avoidance then the more words you are avoiding and so your vocabulary actually becomes very very narrow so it's interesting so I never as a child and teen voiced my opinions my thoughts my feelings and that you know even when I dealt with my stammer in my late teens early 20s that kind of legacy really of not speaking up of not being heard just carried on until I learned to to sort of deal with that when that time came around for that little piece of learning in my life that was like okay it's time to do this now so yeah it was a legacy really from childhood Keisha. Wow so how did you end up reclaiming and finding your voice again? I've been public online since about 2005 and it was at a point in my life I was approaching 30 had had one of those life moments where you know the career that you built and the relationship that you're in as we said the whole plan thing no 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 no. (laughs) Uh, that that that, uh you know had a little rip up from you know from God and from the universe that that was like no that's not where we're going Joe. so I started again from scratch and I began to share this experience online and this was early early blog days you know this was like the days of blogger and type pad and mm-hmm. so I started out sharing then and I was writing for lots of different platforms and finding my voice in terms of writing really started then being public with thoughts and experiences and then over the years I've had three different podcasts I've got one now and appearing on Facebook lives and doing lots of webinars like becoming more public and becoming more confident in who I am and I think that my voice I began to reclaim it by sharing it and I began to reclaim it too by owning more and more who I am and loving me for who I am you know what's and all And celebrating myself and knowing that what I have to say is important 
and you know recognizing and being honored enough that, that you know that people feed this back to me quite often and say that i needed to hear your post to jojo or or your podcast resonated or your book knowing that when you have the courage to share your words and your voice it does reach people and that now keeps me going but it was definitely the act of sharing was that trigger point really mm-hmm. so for you and because i wanted to bring this point like highlight this point because i think that some of the people listening this might be helpful for them when you mentioned that so even though you had really kind of lost the power in your voice physically quite literally you started to really refine and reclaim your voice by writing initially, right? Kind of putting your words onto the screen. You know, would that be accurate? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And what's been interesting more recently, actually, with, you know, with connections with friends and with human connection with my wider audience and my clients is that I've noticed and I've had fed back to me often that the power in my voice is something that people really connect with. And so I use that often in my work now. So I'll be leaving voice notes for clients and friends. I'll, you know, walk them through something on a loom. I'll be present with them by using the connection of my voice. And it's just such a lovely mirror, really, that that Mm -hmm. I was held back from that for so many years and now it's almost one of my most powerful tools I love it and so like I think that for you know our women or people who are listening and if you are at a place where you feel like you kind of have lost the power of your voice and I think that remembering that there are ways that you can bring your voice back into the fold, redefine it, refine it by putting it into some of your creative outlets. Like it doesn't always have to be speaking it. Like for mm. so she started to write, she started blogging, started to find her words again that way, which then led her into doing her work and having her podcast, right? Find the way that you work best and start to speak up and speak out and gain your power back using those methods. Like Joe mentioned that she's like a stationary addict. Like I'm creating a stationary company and like I've wanted to do it for almost 18 years. Okay. And like at the time people were like, that's when like all the dot-com stuff was getting really big. Mm. Like nobody's going to buy stationary now because back then everybody was so infatuated with email and like all of this. (laughs) Now people are like going back to (laughs) paper and notepads and all of that right because of just the level of overwhelm after like this 18 years that i wanted to do this i dabbled in it some like in the beginning i did dabble in it i wasn't confident enough of myself at the time right to really see it through and i recognize that now but it's like for me that owning that and really building out the stationary company that i've wanted to do for so long is a way that I am expressing my voice and Mm. my ideas, right? Because sometimes like it it comes out in different ways. Like one of the ways that I sabotaged my voice and silenced myself wasn't just in the words that I would speak or me starting to literally silence myself. It was in the fact that I stifled myself creatively. That was a way of like squashing my voice down. Like ideas that I wanted to do, like this book that I'm writing, 
I've wanted to write for probably, I know at least maybe 11 years, maybe longer, but at least 11 years, right? Oh, wow. I, I didn't, right? The stationary company I want to do now, almost 17 or 18 years, like I didn't do it, right? All of this stuff. Yeah. And so it's like, it squashed my creative outlets, my voice tampered in that way, my freedom, my expression of who I am and what I bring forth into this world. And so I thought that that was a great example that you talked about, Joe, about how you took voice and started to use it by writing. And then that grew into other things. And so I just kind of wanted to encourage other people that if you may find that you started to stifle your dreams and your visions and push them away, I would encourage you to consider whether or not that was a way of you silencing your voice shutting your voice down and your brilliance down because i think if you really think about it you'll find some connection there completely and it might even be that you're stifling yourself from having 10 minutes a day with your journal you know there is so much power in just connecting with yourself Mm -hmm. writing out your hopes your fears your vision even if just a list even comes out first like have a way to output every day and this is something that I really encourage people as well is to try and do something new every day even Mm -hmm. if it's tiny like even if it's listen to a different podcast or read a different poem or take a slightly different route home or order a different coffee something tiny so you're experiencing something new and then output every day even if it's literally writing a list and you're so right with the creative squashing and also this makes me think of you know as women our power in our sacral chakra and all of our work that we birth into the world when we silence our creativity it makes sense that we silence our voice you're so right Mm -hmm. yeah like absolutely you know I think people will often say oh I don't have a problem speaking up but speaking up is not the only way to utilize your voice you may not have had an issue vocalizing yourself, right? You may be very outspoken, very opinionated, and really haven't allowed other people's expectations to affect your voice in that way. But you may look under the surface and see other places where your voice has in fact been silenced and stifled. And I think that sometimes we forget to look at it in other ways. And so I just wanted to kind of bring that forth because like I said, for me, I recognize that by putting off the things I wanted to do, my visions all those years ago, I felt silenced, I silenced myself. And so my own brilliance, my own genius, all of that. And I recognized the connection, you know, because as soon as I started to feel much more confident in my voice and my mission, you know, just immersion of self. When I started to own that more, those visions came immediately back to me. Like they never that was a connection. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I may not have vocally silenced myself, although I did at times, but it was in these other ways. It was in these areas of genius that I did. It was a self-sabotage. I didn't realize is that is what had happened. I didn't realize that until recently, you know. Completely. And you know, this makes me think about, and you know, lots of your listeners might resonate with this when we become mothers, you know, and you know, if we have motherhood in our lives. I know certainly there was a number of years when my children was you know were tiny, where between parenting and working, I didn't speak to anyone about myself for <laughs> what felt like 
years. <laughs> and I remember having this moment because, you know, if you're with family, it's all about the little ones. If you're at home, you're with the little ones and, you know, you're trying to have a conversation maybe with your other half, but the little ones are, you know, and it's when they were smaller, it was quite intense. And I remember sort of getting back into counselling, my first sort of self-development again, when the kids were starting to get older. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've just been heard for an hour. And now I have many containers in which I'm heard, you know, be it sort of peer coaching, be it my circle of friends and, you know, sort of wonderful interviews like this where we get to hear each other. And often if you're not heard by yourself even, like to witness yourself and your own voice in your life is really important. And so definitely reclaiming your voice through different stages of life, through different ways that we lose it is really interesting. And yeah, making that small space for yourself just to be heard and to be witnessed just really does move mountains. It really does. It makes a significant difference. I completely agree with that. You know, and that's something that I was challenged with because I was, for the most part, always the one who listened to everyone else. Like even from yes. when I was a child, I was always the space holder, always the presence maker, right? Always. And so for me, it was at a point where I didn't feel like I had the space to be heard, right? You know, I became the dependable yeah. one, the reliable one, the one that was always there. If someone needed them, you know, all of those things, it, like it spilled over and it impacted so many of my like relationships, you know, because when you don't feel like you have space to be heard, to be present, it can really do a number on you. Like, <laughs> like it really can. And it makes a difference when you do have space and presence to be able to be heard. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when I realized that was happening a lot in my friendship groups, I was like, I'm going to up level my friendships <laughs> because what I'm seeing here mm-hmm. is I'm growing and knowing that we need to be witnessed and heard. And, you know, like you, I was a space holder for everybody yep. and then began to put some boundaries up. I was like, hey, you know, love your friendship, love you being in my life. But, you know, I would begin to step away from people who would only come to me to dump their stuff to have me as the listener and now I mean in just a couple of years of practicing this really the way that my friendship circles and space has turned around is radical because now I'm uplifted and in dialogue with the most amazing women every day and we are heard and we listen and we invite and we inspire and we are in the most incredible dialogue whereas before I'd be like a sitting duck for everyone's problems. I get that. You know, it can dimmer your confidence a little bit too after a while, you know, because I remember like I talked about how like I got really mad at God like some years ago because I was like, I know I have this gift, right? Because everybody was using it, right? I recognized it for what it was, but I was so frustrated because I'm like, I feel like I'm being used. I feel like people are taking advantage of my gift and the way that I am, because I always was there and available. Like you said, the boundaries just were not there, you know? Um, And I started to get really mad at at these gifts that I had. And I was like, I don't even want them anymore. Like, if this is what it's going to be like, this is, you know, I mean, it was like really upset, upsetting, you know, because it had, my gift had become painful. It had become a pain point 
for me mm-hmm. in my own life, you know, because I felt like I didn't have the quality of relationships as I was being to other people, right? I didn't feel like I was in turn able yes. to go and do that. And so, like you said, the up level kind of had to occur for me. And it made such a significant difference, you know, especially for me, because I was raised in an environment that didn't value friendship at all. Like we were taught not really to have friends, to be Ah. honest with you, you know? And so for me, for the longest of time, I was perfectly fine being the friend to everyone else, right? If that makes sense, right? I didn't didn't realize I could also receive friendship in that way. And I didn't know until it started to become painful. And I'm like, there is something wrong with this picture. Like, what does it mean to go through life and not have friends? Like, I didn't understand Um. why that had to be the case, you know? And so when I started to really see that and recognize that that was not something that worked for me, it opened my eyes a lot to how the ways in which I had stifled my progress, right? Because then when I realized that I needed to be in rooms with other types of people, everything changed. Mm -hmm. And it makes a difference who you're around, up-leveling your environment, up-leveling your circle of friends, especially, and also in the workplace. Let me ask you this, Joe. Have you ever had an experience either directly or through someone that you know intimately where they were silenced or they felt silenced in like the workplace or in business? I have had that earlier on in my career for sure, where, and I've, I've always had the honor of being in, you know, some great leadership positions from quite an early age, but I've definitely had that sense from either my colleagues or a boss above me, and there's one in particular, actually, that I recall. And it's like, no, you know, your voice isn't valid here. Couldn't ever really get to the bottom of why, what this issue was, whether it was because I was a woman, whether it's because, he, you know, he just didn't die with me. I have no idea. But that did really actually subconsciously affect me for quite some time because, you know, I just hadn't become used to this. So I'd, I'd been in great working environments and in various teams where, everybody's heard you know it's great kind of level of of you know like a level playing field and to suddenly butt up against someone who surprises you who's not built that way you're like oh (laughs) okay and I was a lot younger and I would deal with it very differently now I would inquire I would open up a dialogue I would voice up more I mean this is me in my mid-40s and that was me like late 20s early 30s so Mm -hmm. big learning in between them but yeah and the effect of that was quite a long time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it happens sometimes very subtly. Like I was listening to you. I'm like, wow, I don't even recall being in a, <laughs> in a workplace environment where everyone was hurt. I was always the one who had to step up and make sure that everyone had a voice always like whether I was like in executive leadership um, or even just like in junior leadership. Like I was always the one like, well, actually we haven't been able to hear from so-and-so, so-and-so, and and I would love to know your opinion. And every company that I can recall Mm. being in, I was always the one who had to create that space because it simply wasn't there. And so Mm -hmm. I've seen so many years of women not being heard, 
not even having a chance to have a, a fair say at the table that they have been in. And that was something that I knew. I'm like, this is important to me because this isn't even my company, right? And I am telling everyone, we yeah. need to make sure that everyone gets a chance to be heard. And I recognize how much a part of my work and my purpose like, was included in that. You know? And so I've done a lot of work with trying to create more equitable spaces at the table. You know, And it's not just about wow. women versus men or any of that. It's like making sure that everyone, no matter the role, no matter the level, has a chance to be heard and the importance of that, you know, because a lot of people, they get stuck in those jobs and those careers and they spend the next number of years not really doing their work at all, right? Because they're, they're at a yeah. place where they're not yeah. heard, their work is not valued, their opinion is not valued. And the longer they stay in those positions, that tends to be how life just moves along, you know? And so I just think that that's mm. such a shame. And I think that that's something that really needs to shift. And that's why it felt so important to me to create work that allows women to really remind themselves that their voice is valuable, whether they are in their own business or they're in the workplace. That is so important to me because I feel like a lot of us leave the workplace and then forget about those who are there and the challenges that they're having. And I'm not talking about the monetary challenges, right? I'm talking about speaking up. But then some people have never had to experience that them own selves. They don't realize it's a problem. You know how you have those type of scenarios? Well, yeah. And you're so right, I think, actually, because, you know, while you were saying that, I was reflecting, I was like, Joe, you had privilege there because actually I left and went self-employed 15 years ago. I mean, I've been in startup scale-ups, but on project-based things. So the teams I'm in, they're very agile, fast moving. So I haven't been in an institution for a long time where I've witnessed voices not being heard. So you're so right. I've I've just been like a lone warrior, you know, hopping in and out of teams so I've not had mm -hmm. to deal with like systemic stuff or to deal with legacy it's, mm -hmm. it's good to hear that and to recognize it and to remember that this goes on you know yeah it does go on and like it and it happens at all the levels because when I left the workplace I was a senior exec even at that level I was fighting to break the barrier of you will hear what I have to say I'm a part of the team. My voice is valuable. As a matter of fact, if you listen to me, I'm going to tell you how you can solve the problem, right? Yes. It was a lot, you know, a lot of that. And it happens at every single level. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, I've been out of the workplace for quite a while. And even in my own business, I have felt those challenges because it carried over. It didn't get resolved when I left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I carried over that worry and the consumption of, you know, needing to be loud enough, right? Because I'm not a person who needs to be seen. I've never nice. been like that, if that makes sense. People naturally want to see me, but I'm never one who seeks out the opportunity for that. And so I felt like I had to, like, find out how to maneuver and navigate, you know, because of the trauma and because of the challenges that... I saw happening to women, like you leave and then you don't actually resolve the issue. So then it carries over into your next thing until you get to a point like me now where I'm like, I just don't care. 
like I'm gonna have something to say and I'm just gonna say it. Like, yeah. you, can Same. you know, you can tune out, you can tune in, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I recognize that it can sometimes be like a challenge to get to that point. So speaking of that, Joe, what is a piece of advice that you would have for women led businesses? What advice would you have for them when they start to feel like they're in a place where they're not really owning their brilliance in the way that they desire, or they feel like they may have kind of stifled their voice in some way. What advice would you have for them as we get ready to close out here? Sure. So I would take a few tiny steps that have really big impact. And I want to go back to that invitation to journal just on those moments where you've really felt in your brilliance. Just take a few minutes and a blank page. When did you last feel really connected to your brilliance? When did you last feel like you were on fire and loving what you were doing? Just reflect on those moments. I would also then build on that and invite your circle of people, maybe five or six friends and colleagues, just to reflect back to you how they see your brilliance. And then to start publicly sharing something, even if it's sharing a testimonial or something that someone has said about you, you know, it's something that you have been featured in, begin to own a piece of space, even if it's forwarding an email to someone at first, even if it's on your personal Facebook, just begin to gently publicly begin to own your brilliance and also as we said before start to output and to use your voice even if at first it's only to yourself create that space for creativity to connect with yourself and let yourself be heard by you and then start to turn that dial up so that you feel inspired and able and confident to begin adding more to dialogues and to conversations and to be seen where you want to be. And then obviously go full Marshall Stack 10, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And like, I think those are just amazing parting words for our guests, because I I think that really resonate like with our listeners here. And so speaking of resonating with them, tell me, Joe, and tell our listeners who would be best like to follow you and where can they find you online? Sure. Well, the easiest thing to say is just to hop on over to Instagram and find me on at the Joe Gifford. So you'll find me there every day in stories and posting. Just come and say hi, just share with me what you took away from this amazing conversation that I've been so honored to be in. And yeah, at the Joe Gifford on Instagram, everything else will lead you out from there. Great. And also for those of you all who are listening, if you click inside the episode, if you're in your podcast player, iTunes or any of that, if you click in, you'll see the episode webpage and it'll take you directly to Joe's episode and you'll be able to find her links there, more about her work, about her book and all of the things. Joe, thank you so much for joining this Conversations with Friends here on She Will Not Be Silenced. And I wanted to say ta-ta, everyone. Bye, everyone. To watch the video episode with today's co-host, visit KeishaShields.com slash podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be notified of our next episode because you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of She Will Not Be Silenced 
with Keisha Shields. If you are an executive or highly driven leader ready to amplify your wealth, legacy, and your voice on your terms and overcome the impact of feeling silenced, visit KeishaShields.com slash hire to work with me one-to-one or to find more information on how to bring me into your company or organization to help support your women leaders.